All right, Chavre, with a lot of joy, and with beginning first with thanking God, we are starting a new series as we have been doing regularly that we pick a topic and we go through it for a few weeks or for a few months, and then we, we, we move on to a new topic. By a public demand, we're going to be learning a series of what we will call the Torah of Geula and Moshiach. When, I, when I, we're going to use the words Geula and Moshiach, I think let's just uh, share where that phrase came from and what this phrase means. When the Rebbe, especially as of 1991, after the Rebbe's talk, right, going into the 28th day of Nisan, in which the Rebbe expressed himself, <clears throat> not for the first time, but in a very unusually harsh and strong way, that we have to accept the reality that the bringing of Mashiach or the coming of Mashiach is really up to you and me. It's up to me. And not, I'm responsible for the choices that I make, which I am, and therefore I'm a bar mitzvah, or women are a, uh, is a bas mitzvah. In other words, that our, our life's mission is to make sure that we fulfill God's commandments. And obviously, God forbid, this does not change in one iota. But when it comes to the bigger picture, as to what's the purpose of keeping all the mitzvahs, and we're not talking about selfish purposes, and we as Hasidim were educated to be revolted almost by the thought, oh, I'm keeping the mitzvahs to go to Gan Eden. How selfish and narcissistic is such a life? And this has nothing to do with religion. Religion is about making God the center of my life, not about making me the center of my life. For that, you don't need religion at all. It's just pure selfishness. So, the bigger picture, which is that we are keeping all the mitzvahs to to affect a real change in the world, was not something that normally we focused on. I do my part, and whatever that's supposed to make happen will make happen. And in any event... Will it have a collective effect or not? It's not really up to me. It's up to all of us. And I can only do my part. And that was not something that the masses were at all involved in throughout the thousands of years since the Torah was given. They never notified us that that changed. That being that we are mamish at the threshold of the redemption, that is going over the threshold, is not something that will be brought about by the great tzaddikim, but it's going to be brought about by me and by you and by every Yid's individual effort to bring Mashiach. Not individual's effort to become more observant, as important as that was, is, and will always be. But when, we're, when we focus on the, the Mashiach and Geula topic, first of all, the first mindset is, is that I have the responsibility to bring about the revelation of Mashiach and the ushering in of the Geula, of the uh, redemptive era. Yemai Samoshiach. Now, how do we do that? How do I do that? And one point that Rebbe repeated many times over, even though he left some of how do we do that up in the air. The Rebbe says, how do you do that? You figure it out. I have to figure it out. The Rebbe did from when he gave that talk up until when the Rebbe had the stroke. The Rebbe spoke a lot, very often, and if there was one common theme that united all of the Rebbe's talks, is that learning about, and this is the Rebbe's phrase, Geula and Mashiach, is the 
Avoida that will bring about the coming of Mashiach, which means again that I have to learn the Torah of Geula and Mashiach, and you have to learn the Torah of Geula and Mashiach, and this is a direct way of bringing about both the Geula and Mashiach. So anyway, so the, the, the Rebbe began a campaign that people should learn, whether it is on a daily basis, whether it is on a weekly basis, but we should learn what's called the Torah of Geula and Mashiach. Now, I want to begin this series, <clears throat> which is a series of learning the Torah of Geula and Mashiach, by first clarifying what is the difference between Geula and Mashiach. If anyone here that's live can chime in, that will be a very good exercise. What is Geula and what is Mashiach? Are they two different things or are they the same thing? And if they are the same thing, then why are we giving two words, two names for the same thing? Anyone? Well, Mashiach, Mashiach is a person. Isn't Mashiach a human being? And what's Geula? Geula is the act, the salvation. Like, okay, Yafi, you, you, are, you are very good. Let me just give it in, in different words. Mashiach is a person. And Geula is a state of redemption that this person will usher in. Not that Mashiach will usher in the Geula all by himself. That was the Rebbe's point. That the Geula has to be ushered in by all of us. I have to bring Geula into my life. You have to bring Geula redemption into your life. And when enough Yidin are bringing about their personal redemption, then it has a collective effect. And that will empower Mashiach to usher in the Geula in the whole entire world. So that's very good. So Geula is redemption. Redemption is not about one person. Redemption is that beginning with all human beings have to redeem themselves or have to be redeemed. And that's a very big difference. Again, we were educated by the Rebbe to have duschus, not to be amongst the people who will be redeemed. And by the way, that's going to happen. So there will be people, even though he, she did not do their own avoida but it's going to grab them. There's going to be such a collective spirit of redemption that they will be drawn in into the Geula. And, and that will happen. But our mitzvah and our responsibility and our schus is to bring about the Geula, which obviously means that I have to redeem me. And you have to redeem you. And that will all empower Mashiach's job in redeeming the rest of the world. So Mashiach is a person, and Gola is a state of redemption. The state of redemption and the person Mashiach, both of them, are words that we all heard about. And um, most people will have a different uh, imagination. They'll have a different image, both when they think about Mashiach and when they think about Gola. What does Gola mean? What does, what does it mean to be living in a state of redemption? And that's why the Rebbe emphasized the importance of learning the Torah of Geula and the Torah of Mashiach. Because when we learn in the Torah how Torah defines Geula and how Torah defines Mashiach, at least we know what we're striving for. So, you know, just because you know the word, it doesn't mean that you're, you're on the right track. I'll give a great example. A great example that Chabad Hasidis has been shouting from the rooftops for hundreds of years. And that is that there is a mitzvah to believe in one God. And there is a mitzvah to love God. And there is a mitzvah to be in awe of God. Now true, the M is that God is not knowable. How can you love something that's not knowable? 
How is it even possible? You, may, you can say the words, I have Ahava Sashem, which is a mitzvah. How are you going to love that which you don't even know? It's impossible. It's an oxymoron. Which is why it's so important to learn the inner part of the Torah, to learn about godliness, which is all spoken about a lot in Kabbalah and further expounded in Hasidus, because only if you learn about God is it shaykh for you to have emuna in God, and not in the letters G-O-D, which might, uh, which might have a very wrong meaning in the mind of the amateur, of the, of the initiate, who never spent time thinking about what does God mean. Same thing, how can I love God if I have no idea what I'm loving? So just like when it comes to the realm of the six great mitzvahs, the six steady mitzvahs, which are all connected to Muna and God and belief in the oneness of God and loving God and having go of God, that without learning about God, you can't even keep the mitzvah. What are you observing? What are you observing? You're loving God. What is God? Similarly, the Rebbe argues strongly, and it makes so much sense, that unless we spend time learning from the Torah, not from what we heard, but directly from the Torah, how the Torah defines both Geula and how the Torah defines Mashiach. So what exactly am I looking forward to? The word Mashiach. What does it mean that I got to redeem myself? What does that mean? I don't even know what that means. It's beautiful words. I don't want to have emotional stress. Going to a good psychologist for a long time, is that my personal Geula? What is Geula? What is the Geula that we are hoping for and awaiting for and we are bringing about in the Yiddish context? All of that can only be properly fulfilled if we learn the title of Geula and Mashiach. Are we good so far? This is just as as an intro. So far, so good. I don't see a single person. I see a thumbs up. Okay, so far, so good. Now, Okay, so now that we established that we have to learn from the Torah the meaning of Geula and the meaning of Mashiach, know, as we all know, when it comes to every other area in, 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 in Halacha, I'm taking out God. God is the big exception. See, by God, there's no Machloikas. Everyone is on the same page. That the essence of God cannot be defined and understood. We can't. But when we're speaking about the parts of Hashem that are, so to say, closer to us, what Kabbalah calls the Seder Hishtalshalos, what Hasidus calls godliness, that's something that we can understand. And only when we understand it, can we love it, can we be in awe of it. There's no machloikas there. When it comes to the Geula and Mashiach, not like by God, there is a machloikas in the Torah, both regarding how to define redemption, and there's a in about the person of Moshiach. There is such a debate. And we're going to, God willing, through the series, maybe learn some other opinions. But before we learn the other opinions, what does a Jew do right now when they want to know what halacha to keep? So, you know, most of us are already familiar that if you would look at that halacha in its source, which means in the oral Torah, which means in Mishnayis or in Gemara, you probably won't find one opinion. You'll find many different opinions. And some opinions are opposites of the others. So if I have to be observant and I have to keep Shabbos, I have to know what may I not do. Well, is doing so-and-so allowed or disallowed? In most areas in Torah, the real answer will be, well, in the oral Torah, it's a machloikas. <laughs> you have different opinions. Okay, so what's the? So now what? Now what is you got to look in Halacha? And thank God... Not all of it, far from all of it, but a lot of the arguments that we have in the oral Torah are 
resolved in halacha. Even in halacha, you have dif- different opinions in halacha. But at least you narrow down from thousands of arguments to a fraction of that. And even that fraction, in most cases, is not a real argument in halacha. It's only a machlekes in minhag, which means ultimately, no matter which thing you did, you are within the framework of halacha. What's Halacha is the big solution of how do I be an observant Jew if there are so many different opinions? Which opinion do I follow? I don't have the option even of picking the, the one that I like. Open up a Mishnayis. Your kids are learning Mishnayis. And they choose the one that feels better. We can't do that. Halacha sides with one opinion. Likewise, when it comes to the Torah, both of Geula and to the Torah of Mashiach, look at Halacha. Look in Halacha, see what Halacha says regarding Geula, see what Halacha says regarding Mashiach, and that will be the beginning point, and that will be the end point, and there is a lot in between, and it's important to also learn all of the Midrashim and the other parts of the Oral Torah, in, in which you'll have Gavaldic differences of opinions, but you have to begin, we begin like a child, we begin with Kitsha Shulchan Aruch, and then you learn everything else, and then you, then you come back to the Kitsha Shulchan Aruch. So the question is, where is Halacha regarding Geula and where is Halacha regarding Mashiach? For people that had the schus of learning Halacha, go open up a Shulchan Aruch and show me inside. Where do you have Hilchais Mashiach? You know what? You will not find it anywhere. Nowhere in the, in the Shulchan Aruch are you going to find Halachas that are connected to Mashiach. So, so now what? Where do I go? Again, I, I'm going to go back to the Gemara. I'm going to go back to the Medrash. I can't do that because I'm going to have a whole schmuggers board of different ideas and I won't know which one to, to connect to, at least as my base, as my anchor. And there's an answer to that. And this answer is not a unique answer when it comes to the Torah of Geula and Moshiach. But this is an answer that is relevant to many other areas of halacha. And to that, a little bit of an intro, historically. When God gave us the Torah, God began by giving us the tablets Forty years later, approximately forty years later, a little bit less than forty years later, was the first time on the day of the passing of Moshe Rabbeinu, or perhaps on the day prior to the passing of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, according to most opinions, passed away on Shabbos. And what I'm saying now, it probably happened Friday before Shabbos, again, the day prior or the day of. We have what we call the Chamisha Chum Chamisha Chum which is exactly, when you go into a shul, or now to a backyard minion, or if you have the schus to have this in your house, and by the way, having a Sefer Torah in your house brings about a lot of responsibility on your home. It's not so pasha to have a Sefer Torah in your house, but coming back, the Sefer Torah that we have now is a replica of that Sefer Torah. It's a copy of a copy of a copy, and letter by letter, word by word, it's exactly that which Moshe Rabbeinu wrote 3,300 years ago. Kind of awesome. The oral Torah was recorded many, many years later. Many, many years later. The oral Torah was fully compiled when the Gemara was written. The Gemara, the Talmud Bavli, was finished in year 459. Right? We're speaking about the Lahavdal the Goyish years. In the civil year of 459, that's when Gemara was concluded. You know, the word Gemara, that some people here love so much, is spelled Gimel Mem Reish Aleph. Gimel Mem Gimara. Gimel Mem Resh Aleph is an abbreviation to the four Malachim that signed off that this is the oral Torah. Gabriel, Mechoel, Roziel, or the Foil, and Uriel. 
These are the four great archangels that gave, so to say, a haskama, an approbation that this is God's will. This is the Orwell Torah. Now, the Orwell Torah has in it, like we mentioned, so many different opinions. So as time went on, there came codifiers of Jewish law that only wrote down what they considered to be the halacha of the Orwell Torah. The Shulchan Aruch that we have in our homes, which is actually called the Shulchan Aruch, the set table, the Shulchan Aruch was written around 500 years ago. The Rambam was another great Jewish halachic codifier. His book is called Yad HaChazaka. Not Shulchan Aruch, but yes, Yad HaChazaka. Yad HaChazaka codified all of Jewish law. And the goal of the Rambam was to codify not only Jewish law that is relevant and applicable during Golos, but also to codify and to write the halacha of those parts of the Torah that are Bachlan Ladin practiced during Golos. The later codifiers, like the Shulchan Aruch, don't address anything connected to the Beis HaMikdash, anything connected to the Avoidah of the Kahanim and the Leviim, which is connected to the Beis HaMikdash, nothing about the mitzvah of bringing sacrifices, and many other halachis that are only practiced when all of the Jewish people live in Israel, which is one of the missions of the person, Mashiach, to bring all of the Jews to Israel. However, we'll define this as we get through this series later. They never wrote about those halachis. Now here's the catch, guys, a simple rule. Anything that the Rambam did write about, and the later Jewish codifiers also wrote about, the Rambam wrote and the Shulchan Aruch wrote, if they are not on the same page, we follow the Shulchan Aruch and not the Rambam. That's the rule, for whatever reason. But any area of halacha that no one after the Rambam put down in their Jewish law, in other words, the final halachic authority is Rambam, then we follow the Rambam. So therefore, the Rebbe explains, when it comes to, again, we're, we're coming back to our series, the Torah of Geula and Mashiach, there aren't Hilchois Geula in Shulchan Aruch, there are no Hilchos Mashiach in Shulchan Aruch, but we have them in Rambam. There wasn't a single Jewish halachic codifier, meaning a rabbi who put together halacha, who addressed it after the Rambam. So the Rambam is the halachic authority. So therefore, like, how do I keep Shabbos, open up a Shulchan Aruch? How do, how do I put up a mezuzah, open up a Shulchan Aruch? I know we're not speaking about a observing mitzvah, we're not observing Mashiach, we're not observing Geula, we are believing in it, we are awaiting it, it's more... It's one of those mitzvahs that are in the category of chayvas halavavos. It's an obligation of the heart, of the understanding, and of one's faith. But we have to learn Ambam. So another, that's the second intro. So what we will be doing is that we're going to be going through two chapters in Ambam. That's all it is, but it's amazing. It's packed, it's jam-packed. One chapter primarily is going to speak about Mashiach, which is Rambam in the book of Judges and the book of Shoftim in the Laws of Kings chapter 11 this is the second to last chapter in the entire Yada Chazaka of Rambam that chapter again speaks about the person Moshiach the final 12th chapter speaks about Yemois HaMoshiach Yemois HaMoshiach is what we will refer to as the Geula and that has to be the starting point that has to be the starting point because only when you learn Rambam 
will we see what the Torah says about the person Mashiach? So I believe in the coming of Mashiach. Who Mashiach? What Mashiach? What, what exactly do you believe in? You have to learn the Torah. And likewise, when it comes to the redemption, we have to look in Halacha to know exactly what does redemption mean to me, to know what I am looking forward to. And more importantly, the way that Rebbe made the campaign of, of Mashiach, what, what about the redemption? Am I obligated to begin working with, with myself now, yesterday? What exactly do I need to do What's my goal as far as my personal redemption to be able to say, okay, I re- at least I redeemed myself. I am living with Geula. I'm having a Geula Dika life. What does that mean? What does that mean? How Halacha defines it. And that will give us a much greater clarity of what the Geula will look when the entire world will be in a state of redemption. Are we good? All right? Yes. Yes. Now, final, final short intro. I'm just bringing up a question without an answer. My question is, it's good to have questions, is that the Rebbe's Nusach was always to learn the Torah of Geula and Mashiach. Geula first, Mashiach second. Logically, it makes sense for the Rebbe to follow that order, Geula and Mashiach, because as we mentioned, Mashiach is a person. And the revelation of Mashiach is in the realm of God. Geula is a lot more up to me because I have to redeem myself. I have to learn how to inspire those around me to live in a Geula Dika lifestyle, in a redemptive lifestyle. So Geula is like more imminent. A person can live with the Geula before the coming of Mashiach. And there are so many stories of that, of the great Sadiqim that for them, they were living in the Geula. The world didn't have the Geula. Right? For example, in the city of Kotsk, there was once a Jew that uh, started to blow the shofar very loud, not the Rosh Hashanah. And the people that heard a, the sounding of the shofar, they thought, oh, that's the shofar of Mashiach. They went running into the Rebbe to tell the Rebbe, Rebbe, Mashiach is coming, we hear the shofar. So the story is, the Kotzke Rebbe opened up his window, he stuck his head outside his office, outside the window, and he was there for a couple of moments, and he puts his head back in, and he says, no, this is not Mashiach. So the Rebbe who mentioned the story once asked if he had the capacity of, so to say, smelling the world, of being in tuned with the energies in the world to sense that it's not yet Mashiach, why did he have to go outside of his office? Why did he have to stick his head outside his office? And the Rebbe says because inside his office there was already the Geula. The Geula was there. You know, it's Geula should precede Mashiach, my personal Geula. However, just pointing out that in the Rambam, like we mentioned, that the Rambam who codifies in Halacha, he's going to define Geula and Mashiach. The Seiden in the Rambam is first Mashiach and then Geula. Just making an observation. Why does the Rambam put it in that order? I do not know, but that's the way it is. Okay. So as we have been doing in the past series, that suggesting that people should get an art scroll, the Gemara Brachis. So I, don't, I have an old style for those of us who can see the Zoom. I'm looking, I have the book Mishnah Torah. Mishnah Torah means the repetition of the Torah. That's the Rambam Ziyadah Chazaka. I'm going to Shoiftim, Shoiftim, Hilchos Malachim, Perek Yudalef. I'm sure many of you have this safe in your home. I'm sure that many of you have it in English. You certainly can find this online. I know that maybe I'll send out a link after this class on this chat, uh, Chabad.org, just to have the words of the Rambam. And we're not going to run through it. And you can run through this quickly and go and go out with almost nothing. But we're going to chew over slowly everything that Amam writes. 
and we'll go through this for a couple of a couple of weeks or a couple of months, however much time um, the group feels that we should be learning the Torah of Geula and Moshiach. All right, so let's start with all those introductions. First words is Hamelech Hamoshiach. The Rambam calls Moshiach the person a king. Let me share with you how great that is. Even though we all heard it a thousand times over. Melech HaMashiach. It's awesome. Why is that awesome? Because the word Mashiach, when you say the word Mashiach, I'm telling you, every person has another image about Mashiach. I'm not even speaking about who Mashiach is. I'm speaking about what, what is he all about? What is he going to do? The moment we refer to Mashiach as a king, we are all already familiar with Mashiach. How are we all familiar with Mashiach? Because the concept of a king is not a new concept in Jewish history. Nor is it a new concept in Jewish way of thinking. Nor is it a Jewish concept in Jewish law. So historically, historically, let's go back all the way to the beginning. Moshe Rabbeinu is called not Melech Moshe, but he's called Rabbeinu. Which means that the role of Moshe primarily was the role of a Rebbe. And we as Hasidim have a very good idea of what a Rebbe is. Even without being a Hasid yet, let's at least translate Rebbe as a teacher. A teacher of Torah. And as you have in the entire Jewish world, right? You didn't congregate around the great Jewish teacher. In the Litvish world, you have the Rosh Hashiva. It doesn't have to be the word Rebbe. Or it can be uh, by the Rav. And let's go to where Hasidim, around the Rebbe. So I'm not saying that Moshe Rabbeinu did not also have the halachic status of a king. Actually, he did. Moshe Rabbeinu, parenthetically, according to some opinions, also has the status of a Kohen Gadol. Imagine, because he served as a Kohen Gadol for one week. And the Gemara says, according to some opinions, that even after he gave over that role to his brother, to his older brother Aaron, he still continued to have the status of a Kohen Gadol. But again, Moshe Rabbeinu primarily was Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu. However, let's learn Jewish history, a topic that at least the women, thank God, are more familiar with. You guys learn Nach in, your, in schools. The men, for whatever reason, the Bachrim do not learn that much Nach or not Nach at all. But we are familiar, even only superficially, that the first Melech be Yisrael was Shaul HaMelech. After the reign of Shaul HaMelech comes along David HaMelech. Throughout the first temple era, there were many other Melachim. Some of them were of the tribe of Yehuda, some of them were not. A melech, by Jewish law, does not need to be from the tribe of David, Stama melech. However, there is something unique about the, if the bloodline of David and Shlomoi as it relates to Mashiach. As we learn, Mashiach has to be actually from the tribe of Yehuda and a descendant of Shloima and of David. I'm emphasizing both because you can be a descendant of David and not be a descendant of Shloima. David HaMelech had a lot of children. Shloima was only one of them. But coming back just with the first words of the Ramam, HaMelech, he's a king. Throughout Jewish history, a king wasn't necessarily a prophet. The kings were not necessarily miracle workers. Kings were not necessarily the greatest teachers of the entire Jewish people. Sometimes they merged together. Like King David, he was the greatest scholar, the greatest teacher, the greatest prophet, and he was a king. But we're not refer- we are not referring to Mashiach with prophet, 
which which already implies someone who has some sort of spiritual great power, superpower. Prophecy is a superpower. A king is not a superpower. A king is a halachic category that is bestowed upon those who are qualified to be kings. And once they are a melech, so you have laws of kings. And by the way, the Rambam put the laws of Mashiach actually in the group of the laws known as Hilchais Melachim. There are laws regarding a king. There are certain powers that a king has beyond the commoner. There are certain powers that the king will never have. And we're not going to learn about them right now, but just to appreciate that Mashiach is referred to halachically, the first word, even before that Ammon writes the word Mashiach, he writes Melach. He's a king. Okay, so at least we have, we, we have what to put our minds around. Mashiach is a Melach. Now, I know that we live in a democracy, whatever that means. We live in the United States, and we're not familiar through our life experience by living in a monarchy, but for most of human history, speaking about where the Jewish people lived, monarchies were systems of governance that we lived in, speaking about the majority of the Jewish people throughout the majority of our history. So at least we are very familiar with the institution of a king, with monarchy, and Moshiach is known as a melech. Okay, so that's number one. He's a king. Number two, what is the goal of Moshiach? Says the Rambam. Asid, in the future, now the Rebbe taught us it's already imminent, he's going to get up, he's going to stand up, He's going to bring back the kingship of David to the way it used to be. Now there was there is a unique halachas about David HaMelech regarding the kingship of David HaMelech. I'll just give you one example of the unique laws of a king that is from the line of David HaMelech. And let's begin with David HaMelech. As one would imagine, as one would imagine, a king has a lot more power than, let's say, a president of a, a democratic country or the head of a parliament of a democratic country. And in most times, power certainly has the ability to uh, take away the midah of humility from within a person. And when a person loses a certain sense of humility, automatically they are by default disconnected from God. And that leads people that have so to say, too much power to end up doing exactly the opposite of what God wants from them. So that's the challenge that we have with kings. One of the beauties of living in a democracy is that whoever is in charge is not in charge forever. That in itself does not allow a certain amount of gaiva, of arrogance, and of unhealthy power to enter their minds and hearts, and that in itself is a blessing. A king is not that way. A king is a king for his entire life. A king is a king until when the king dies. Not only that, by Jewish law, in many cases, in most cases, the monarchy goes down by inheritance. So it's not the most qualified. No, it might be the most qualified of the king's sons, but it's got to be the king's sons and not someone else. Dovar HaMelech is the paradigm of what we would call a miracle, but it's not a miracle. David HaMelech was a king whose humility was as great as was his kingship. Now, Moshe Rabbeinu was also humble, I know that. But Moshe Rabbeinu is not celebrated as a king, even if halachically he was. Moshe Rabbeinu was a Rebbe. David was a Melech. Can you imagine that David HaMelech did not have a proper palace? 
Because he said to himself, how can he live in a palace if the temple is not built yet? Can you imagine a king that's living in a home, not in a palace? Tavar HaMelech was from the most humble human beings that ever lived, which was amazing. Which was why Tavar HaMelech never lost his connection to God. With all of the power that he had, he continuously remained ex- extremely humble. That's something unique about Tavar HaMelech. And let me tell you how that attribute of not having power get to your head halachically affects the status of David and the kings that come from his household. A king, if, if, if a, you know, here in America we say no one is above the law. Okay, Judaism has the same concept. We, we had it first, we taught it to the world. No one is above God's law. No one is above God's law. But my question is, what happens if you have a king that breaks God's law? Or there's an allegation that he broke God's law. Do you take them to court? Can you take a king to court? So again, we're, we're, we're living in a, in a so-called democracy. And here in America, I don't even, I don't even know the law. Whether, if you can take a president of the United States to court while he's the president, I don't know. I know that in Israel, that's a big machloik is going on right now. It's not a president, but right now uh, you have Bibi Netanyahu is the current prime minister, and there are allegations, legal allegations against him, and uh, he actually was taken to court. And that was the first time in modern Israeli history, not 